You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Greetings, happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today on the Steve Day Show. Podcast edition here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. We would love it if you would join us too. It is a feedback Friday after all. And if you want your feedback featured on the show, email it to us. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show, and the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Speaking of CRTV, we just concluded today's CRTV program. Of course, it is a Friday, so that meant the Dace Group Week in Review Roundtable. Todd and Aaron, you were a part of that show, along with the conservative millennial, Ali Stuckey from CRTV, joined us as well. Let's give the audience a preview of what we're going to be discussing there today on CRTV. Aaron. Uh, Let's see. We laughed. We cried. After the show, Steve was questioning life. He was optimistic before. So you want to see what happened to him? Watch the show. That's a good tease. Todd. Well, um, it's clear that Allie is infinitely more charming uh, than the three of us, and she's come. She came back a second time. So she, that's a, she did something that's hard to do. She made us look good. Yeah, and she keep, and she came back after the first time. So I think that's a feather in our cap, though. I mean, it's, she's like. Well, it's it's you know. Is it like Costanza? Speaking when, of when you've got that one, you know, tennis partner, or racquetball partner, or golfing buddy, or basketball buddy, that doesn't totally embarrass you by playing with them, but you know you're a lot better than them, so you look good next to them, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You want to play with them as often as possible, right? Sure. You're always calling them first on a Saturday. Hey, you want to go hit, you know, want to go take a look at, uh, you know, play the front nine or, the, or play a full 18? Because you know, like, he's not going to just go out there and totally duff it around and, and tick off the groups ahead of you and behind you, but you know he's not also very good, so you're going to look better next to him, right? That's kind of, I think, what we are to Allie. You, you call them up, you need a slump buster? Yeah, I'm free. I'm free this Friday, because no, she wasn't here the last few Fridays. So you know, every few weeks, you know, when when Allie feels like you know she needs a little pick me up, yeah, I'll go hit it around with the day group for a while because I mean, you know, they're not you know slobbering losers, but I'm a lot better looking and smarter than they are, so they're gonna make me look good. Got it. No argument. All right, all right. That's good. I appreciate that. Well, we are, and and because I mean, it's kind of self evident, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, uh, do you mind if if the game is on and put the game on for Todd? No. Okay. The, the Big Ten game with the uh, with Wisconsin you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. All right. Is that an OSHA violation? Um, just don't bite your tongue, Todd or Steve. That's about the only uh, OSHA thing I can I can think of. Okay. All right. This is me feeling benevolent. I'm willing to let you do this. Well, it's it's NCAA tournament basketball, basically. So yeah, yeah, you're making a big sacrifice for me. Thanks, guy. <laughs> <laughs> And after this, I'm going to shut myself in for the next three days and watch basketball, by the way. <laughs> I might take the kids to Menchie's. 
So I might get out once. But I'll let you have this one. All right. So if you want to watch today's show at CRTV, CRTV.com. If you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV, use my name as a promo code, DACE, and you'll get a discounted subscription. And you can watch our show as well as the conservative millennial, Ali Stuckey, and the great one, Mark Levin, Michelle Malk, and the entire team we have here at CRTV. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. And if you're already a subscriber, thank you so much. If you subscribe to this podcast, we really appreciate that. If you haven't yet, click that subscribe button. It really does help us. Uh, The more people that click on that, the more people that then want to continue to click on it because they're like, hey, people listen to this. It must be pretty good. Thank you to those of you who subscribe. If you haven't yet, please consider doing so and, and leaving us a positive review as well. If you like us. I mean, if you don't like us, like I would presume you wouldn't still be listening unless you're just a glutton for punishment. So if you do like us, then by all means, whenever you have the time, uh, leave us a positive review and thank you to those of you that have already done so. If you don't like us, we would never encourage you to lie. We would just ask you to maybe not say anything. Because as you can see, I mean, Todd's really sensitive about this stuff. Yeah, so that's me. We would never encourage you to lie, but we would encourage you to lie by omission. Well, is that a lie or is it just being polite? Right? Let's talk about alcohol. All right, go ahead and lie. Uh, so uh, just uh, give us a positive review, please, uh, on uh, Westwood One. All right, let's go uh, to Feedback Friday. You guys ready to go? Yep. Absolutely. All right, G. Shaw. We start with G. Shaw, and she writes, you should sing more often on your podcast, Steve. I, I could not agree more with that. Your thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, is this one of your Russian bot followers? <laughs> because that's the only... The G stands for Goron. <laughs> that's the most rational explanation for that sensibility right there. Real life. Is this real life? Is this real life? I'll stop the world and melt with you. Who doesn't want to hear more of that? Uh, for starters, everybody in this room. <laughs> Listen, man. When you're when you're my age now, you take you take all the the, the compliments where you can get them, man. Every no matter well, you're what, a hottie no, now too. No matter that's right. What? That's right. Tyra Banks, the famous model who is now uh, the host of America's Got Talent, which yeah. is a perennial tradition in our house to watch that as a family um she tweeted out yesterday that it's time to celebrate dad bods i could i couldn't agree more i mean i'm a hottie now one of the world's most famous models ever testifies okay cool why i mean tyra banks she's like isn't she like on the edge of sanity I mean, seriously, hasn't she like had like a mental breakdown before? Why? Give me this. <laughs> I think I should sing more. Give me more. something. Yeah. Steve if, says, listen, I think I should sing this, more. I'm going to freaking sing more, all right? Well, on this, I'll give you this. On the singing front, don't you, I mean, it's your house. Don't you walk around and your, your daughter is a, like, a well-recognized singer and she's yes. 16 years old. Do you tell, yep. well, you know where you got that from. I mean, don't you own her with that? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, that's your home, man. You got to take that one. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, both her mom and I, the truth be told, we can, we can both sing a little bit, not to the extent that she can, all right? But, I mean, I did choirs and stuff. when I, I used to be pr- really good when I was younger. And then my voice changed, and it's not as good as it was before I hit puberty, you know? So I used to do choir and stuff like that when I was younger. Amy sings uh, better than, um, uh, than she thinks. So her parents can carry a tune, um, even though neither one of us have the amount of talent that she has. Yeah, she's got game. Yeah. But yeah, there you go. Although you what's, did we- that. what's weird for me is I can only do a British accent when I'm impersonating somebody else. You know what I'm saying? No, I got you. You, you, know? you, have, you have to be doing... Yeah. Uh, like, you, like uh, what's the guy who does all the... And he's NFL football. The Frank Caliendo. Yes. You can, yes. If I'm impersonating somebody else, then I can do like Robin Leach. I'm Robin Leach and I don't know why. Right? I can do that. I think it's because of the way you know my recall and my memory and stuff works that I can, if it, if it's if there's something I'm playing off of, I can recall it. I can recall a voice and a tone similar to how I can recall information, but I couldn't just generically do a good British accent in in my own conversation or line of thinking. You know what I'm trying to say? No, I do. Oh, it yeah. had to be something off of somebody else. See, I've got two, my first and my third daughters because they're huge Harry Potter fans. And thus, Hermione Granger fans, they they, for, they walk around the house just talking to each other in really good British yeah. accents. Well, that's another thing my daughter that can sing can do really well is accents. She does that really yeah. well. But like uh, the gal from um, the Spice Girls who's on, um, I can't remember which, was she Posh Spice who's on America's Got Talent? And... Uh, isn't Posh Spice the one who's married to... Um, okay, then it's not her. The one who's married to David... Is that who's married David to David Beckham? Beckham? Okay, maybe it, she was Sporty Spice. or One of them. She was one of the Spice Girls. And uh, sh- um, she's one of the uh, judges every year on America's Got Talent. So, like, when I'm impersonating her, when she says something that sticks in my memory recall, I can do a pretty good British accent, you know? You can do a good British chick accent, yes, too? Yes, with a splash of de That's like her, that's <laughs> like can, her accent. I can, okay? say, I can say one word with a really good Jamaican accent and here's how you do it you say beer can in a British accent so beer can beer okay. can okay man look at what the Russian bot email made us talk about for like 15 minutes now this they control all of our politics our culture everything we lost the cold war after all he's a beer can man uh, let's move on. Tammy Hill writes, Dana Lash has proven to be an excellent spokesman for the NRA and most importantly, the Second Amendment. She's informative with facts, articulate, and calm in her presentation and rebuttals. Whoever suggested hiring her as their spokeswoman was clairvoyant. Agree with every word of that. Uh, keep up the great work. Thank you guys for calling Balls and Strikes. We wish more in your industry would do so. Let's be fair. There's more people in our industry calling Balls and Strikes now than we saw when I was coming up in the industry when Bush was president. It's not even close. There's a lot more. I think it's just more blatant now because Trump has a personality that sort of, if you're, if you're weak in the knees at all, compels you to give him a level of obnoxious and you know slanderous approval. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Bush didn't have that kind of personality. So if you felt like you were going to, sell out what you believed for George W. Bush, you didn't have to be such a total douchebag while doing it. Trump, because of his persona and the way he communicates, it's real hard to just politely uh, shill for him. 
and I mean this, it won't sound like it, but I do mean it as a compliment. That is why Sarah Sanders is so good at her job. She's found a way to shill for Trump without totally adopting the the canoe aspects of his persona that grates on people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Spicer could not do that. Scaramucci could not do that. She has she has Kellyanne Conway, who is a far more seasoned pro than than Sarah Sanders could not do that. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Kellyanne, who's maybe the smartest person in the entire administration from a political standpoint, that's that's why they don't really put her on non favorable media anymore because they kind of blew her credibility the first three months of his administration last year. Um, Sarah Sanders has found a way to shill for Trump without dehumanizing herself or showing her ass, at least to this point. And that, that's not easy to do. Not easy to do. And with Dana Lash, that's not a consideration for her because what you're seeing with Dana Lash is, you, is you're seeing a harmonic convergence of God-given talent um, this is and God-given talent in an attractive package, which does make a difference to people because we are visual creatures. God-given talent in an attractive package combined with real courage of conviction. You put all those three things together, and that's where that's where the the calm calm reassurance comes from. The inability to move her off her point. Um, the um, uh, the winsomeness at the same time, that's where all of that comes from. No, I agree. I said after the um, town hall, listen, I've got four daughters. If the, uh, they turn out to be like uh, uh, Dana Lash, I'll be a proud papa. I mean, just standing and delivering that day uh, with, uh, with grace and certitude. Lauren, Laura Onofrio writes, I'm freaking out over Trump pushing all of these gun control measures. The Second Amendment is a right. Does that not mean that in order to change it in any way, Congress would have to go through the amendment process to amend the Constitution? Well, it should mean that. But we don't live in a constitutional republic anymore. So, And that's not snark. That's just the simple reality of the situation. Also, how is it constitutional for Walmart and Dix to show age discrimination in the selling of guns and ammo? I realize that they are a private business, but again, as Americans, it is our right to own to, to, to own firearms, not a privilege. If they don't want to sell to whatever age they arbitrarily choose, should they not be allowed to sell guns at all? How is everyone getting away with all of this? Well, we should live in a society, and we used to, where if you thought as a business owner, providing a certain service to a certain client puts your business either at risk or liability, or an impugned because that service, what that client was going to do with that service, either put your business at risk or at liability or violated your conscience, we used to agree that that was a place you could not, you could not compel a business owner to provide a service that, that risked one of those two things because who's the person with all the risk in the transaction? The business The owner. business owner is. They, they assume all, all of the pre-transaction risk is assumed by the business owner. So we should live in a, in a world, in a country, I should say, we should live in a country where Laura's question, we don't agree, we, we don't accept the premise of Laura's question. And we say, you know what? It's their business. If they don't want to take that risk, it's a, it's a free market. And you know how you respond? 
go to businesses that are willing to take that risk and reward them, right? That, that is the country we should live in. Do we all agree on that? Yes. Okay. Is that the country we do live in? Nope. Nope. We live in the bake the cake bigot country. So if we're going to live in the bake the cake bigot, that absolutely Laura's point applies here. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. You can't have it both ways, even though we know progressives are masters at attempting, normally because there's very few people on our side of the argument that are willing to hold them accountable or do something or confront them when they do. All right. But if we're going to live, if we're going to live in the bake the cake bigot society, then Laura's argument applies. If we're, if we're going to live in a free society, mean that, that your conscience is free uh, and your intellectual property or your proprietary risk is part of that conscience and therefore is also free, then you know we may not like the decisions Walmart and Dix makes. And you know what you can do when you don't like their decisions? Don't shop there and shop at places that do make decisions that you approve of. But if we're not going to live in that society, if we're going to live in the bake the cake bigot society, then gentlemen, Laura's point is appropriate. Your thoughts? Well, this was my prediction on the television show that we're going to get a lot closer uh, to the possibility of having a 21 and under uh, gun ban than I think people think. I mean, I know there was a reaction instantly against Donald Trump, but right now that uh, the, the court shopping will start on this front, and we've had you, you've had the instances back. Uh, boy, we're going back more than a decade now. You remember where uh, in Massachusetts, uh, either Catholic charities had to adopt to gay kids or not at all. So yep, it's going to come up. So, either, so the, the the Catholic Church decided to shut down their adoption yes. agencies when Romney was governor, because after the Goodridge decision on marriage that he affirmed as as governor, the state then tried to say, agencies said to say, tried to say, you now have to adopt children to gay couples. Catholic Charities went said, no, we don't want to do that. And Romney said, well, here's your choice, either shut down or you have to do that. And they chose not to stop offering adoptions. Right. So on this, the courts, uh, attorneys, lawsuits going to get involved on this front. If they try to force stores like this to not sell guns at all, they're going to view this as a win. And also, in, in terms of the precedent, uh, and Steve, you can choose to take it up or not, but just in terms of uh, specifics, it's going to be brought up, well, how many years now have we had a 21 21- uh, the drinking age at 21. You're a legal adult at 18. So right. people can point to that. But this this is not something new. We've done this. We've limited adults from doing certain things for, I can't, was it the 70s, Steve? Uh, 21 yes. and over. Yep. So um, this, this is not just going to stop because Trump said something dumb and Laura Ingram talked him down. We're going to get a lot closer uh, within the next uh, six years uh, during Trump's presidency to a 21 and under ban on guns than you think. Here's the thing, Aaron. When you live in a nanny state, it means most of the constituents have, have become our, our children and not adults. All right? Because yes. who wants a nanny, adults or children? Children. Children do. And, and therefore, if we're going to have nannies... Or we're going to have children be be most of our citizens requiring a nanny state. Well, what do children constantly need in order to avoid going astray? What do they need? Supervision. Supervision and discipline, which means we're going to have to stay diligent on issues like this yep. constantly because most of America is children. Yep, because your nanny made your bed and you got a lie in it, and that's what we're that's what we're up against right now. If we let them, if if we let the nanny state grow to the point where we don't have uh, any any recourse, it seems like, which is what we're seeing right now. 
um, or beginning to see right now, then it just makes sense that, well, yeah, if we're going to have a nanny state, then let's, as we talked about a few weeks ago, let's have a nanny state then. Um, unless we want to stay vigilant and actually hold people accountable that need to be held accountable. That's, that's what we're headed for. Next note. This is a little bit longer, but I think it's worthy of sharing, so pay attention for a few minutes. This is from Eric. He writes, If you look at a lot of these mass shootings in the last 20 years, I think you see some striking coincidences, and I'd like to get you guys' take on it. Columbine, multiple teenage boys disgruntled about not fitting in, terrorized schoolmates as a punishment. Charleston, you had Dylan Roof, upset because his girlfriend broke up with him, dating a black guy. Douglas High School in Florida, Nicholas Cruz loses third parent to death throughout the course of his life and feels bullied. Sutherland, Texas church shooting, the shooter's spouse or girlfriend leaves him, goes back to her parents, he murders the church congregation that his mother-in-law belonged to. Reporter Allison Ward, 41-year-old co-worker, shoots reporter and cameraman after being bullied and believes treated unfairly for being gay. Virginia Tech, 23-year-old male with manifesto and was recently rebuffed by romantic interests. Manifesto was also also stated that others had all of the material possessions that they could ever want. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sandy Hook, 20-year-old Adam Lanza, feels that his mother loves the children in her school class more than him. He then shoots the class as punishment. Aurora Movie Theater, 27-year-old James Holmes' manifesto states that he became obsessed with killing 10 years before at age 17. Also states that failures in career and with women um, aren't the reason for why he did what he did, which is strange for him to point out those two failures voluntarily. This list goes on and on and on, but here's my theory. All of these guys had stress, loss, or disappointment that they just could not process. Why is this? I believe this ties back to how we're raising uh, the next generation. They are not taught loss or the lack of fairness at a young age, whether it's in sports, uh, the fact that they cannot simply have everything that they want, or if any of, other, any of the other life lessons that our generation and generations before us learned at a young age. When something tragic or multiple devastating events happens to them, they simply cannot process the anger, disappointment, and fear that accompanies these events, and they bottle it up until it explodes. Always dangerous to play medical or professional in any field that you're not a professional in, live on the air. But do you guys think there's anything to this hypothesis at all? Systemic breakdown of the family. I think there is. That, that, that should answer the question. I mean, that's, there's been much ado amongst certain circles, uh, uh, amongst conservatism on social media, about how uh, most of these shooters and mass killers don't have a dad. And so I think there's something is there is something to that theory. Um, there is an expectation, I think, that kids have instilled in them from an early age about how life should go. Very rarely is that expectation ever met. Expectations are are human. It's part of our humanity. Expectations are rarely ever good. Now, there are standards, and then there are expectations. And when you live in a culture that says you need this, 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 and you need all of these things to be happy, you start to expect that. And then once you start maybe attaining those things, you expect to be happy again. And then you're not. 
and then those things start to go away or they come and go. And all the while, you've maybe been brought up in a school system that is completely godless, that is completely um, naturalistic, meaning there is no supernatural, there is no metaphysical. Everything that you say uh, or feel or think can be explained by physical causes. That is a recipe for absolute brokenness and hopelessness. And I, th- I think all of that lends itself to the theory that we just heard laid out. What do you think, Todd? Well, it, this is the the God-shaped hole in our heart thing right here. We we all are souls, and those souls will be filled with spirit, one way or the other, hmm. either God's spirit or a dark one. Or the spirit of the age, well, which is which is often a dark often one. often a dark one. It's it's rarely neutral, uh, and so th- we're just juggling grenades with the pins pulled. Mm. Is is what we're doing, and th- these young men, given a different upbringing, it's a bit like I mean. Th- the, uh, it's all condensed in two and a half hours, but it's a movie uh, we all love here. But but the Dark Knight, the, this this uh, these these boys could all be versions of the Harvey Dent story. That uh, that he was he was the White Knight, and he became the exact opposite based on circumstances. Now, you, you take those drip 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 of circumstances over and over again in your young life. Uh, Steve, you talk uh, all the time about. You had to overcome those circumstances in your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, how many don't? How many are just crushed and shattered by them? Well, that's what this uh, letter writer is talking about. I'll tell you this: as someone who's coached youth sports the last few years, I, I, I don't know. Out, outside of the soul transfusion. I don't know that there's any particular answer, whether it is background checks, whether it is the family, whether it is what you discussed. I don't know that there's one answer that is a particular panacea, but the collective loss of a nation's soul and virtue and dignity, you throw those things in and it exacerbates all those problems. Right? Okay. But I I will tell you this, we're not making it any easier by the way we are raising our young men. I am dismayed when I'm actually confronted with how how unexposed and ignorant. Ignorant's not the same as dumb. Ignorant means you just were never taught, exposed, right, to something. With how ignorant, unexposed, many of these young men or young boys are as they get ready to hit puberty to the idea that one they're not the best at everything two they can actually try harder to be better than they currently are and three um, not everything in life is fair and I'm just telling you right now if, if you have not learned those lessons by the time you're 11, 12, 13, 14 years old as a kid, as a guy, 
then when the reality of the world hits you as a grown man, you, you don't just suddenly rise to the occasion and grow up. You can't process that stuff. And it's one of the reasons why I've always said to my daughters, you guys have heard me talk about this before. My daughters have, there are two requirements to marry my daughters. One is you got to love Jesus. The other is your ass has to have been kicked at least once in life, figuratively or literally. What do I mean by that? At some point, you had to look, you had you had to be knocked down. Why do we fall? Yes, yeah, so we so I can see that you are able to get back up. And I've always told our daughters, if you marry a man that has not had his ass kicked by life one time, one of two things will happen to him. A, he will be weak, and you will you'll have to do his job. And at first, you'll think it's cool to have that, to have all of the power, and then eventually you'll grow to resent it when you realize it's too much of a burden for you to carry all by yourself. He can't hold up his end of the bargain. The second is, or he'll be extremely arrogant. He will take, you'll go from not taking any risks at, 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 to take any initiative to just being completely risky, thinking I'm invincible. King Kong's got nothing on me. And that's a guy that just will just decide one day, you know what, maybe she's prettier than you. You know what, hey, we're moving the family for what? Well, and I just, you know, I feel like, you know, this is where the job market is. We'll just go, well, do you have a job? No, well, we're just going to go. Don't want that guy either. And I think we're raising a lot of those guys. So I don't know that any particular answer other than as Todd alluded to, the darkness of the soul really gets to the root of anything. I think all the other things, as Aaron talked about the family, the you know, whatever the background check system, as we learned with Stephen Paddock in Nevada, there's clearly some issues where that's concerned. There, there's, there's several different things that are factors that, I, that make the core reason of the humans, what the condition of the soul exacerbate it all the more because these are things that God has ordained, God ordained government, God ordained family. These are, these are institutions, spheres that God has ordained because of the condition of the human condition. They're meant to provide guidance and rein in the fallen nature all of us bring into, come into this world with. When, and when you live in a culture where, all, where those institutions are systemically failing and then you throw in the condition of the soul, that's where, that's where the Psalms say, how can the, righteous, how, how can the righteous prevail if the foundations be destroyed? Because those foundations are no longer there to protect righteousness, they're going to threaten it. But the amount of, the way we are raising our young men that they cannot tolerate or understand or, or translate failure the other day when my you know my son is you know he's got he's getting into basketball this year and basketball was the sport i was i was really good at growing up which is why i'm not coaching his team it's really hard to coach a team it's in a sport that you were good at at a developmental level because you just your expectations are too high and so it's best for me just to go and watch and be a daddy football i was not very good at so i'm much more patient (laughs) okay um you suck like I did. Let me help you. Yes. <laughs> There's a reason why a lot. Sparky Anderson, lifelong minor league manager. Tommy Lasorda, player. Tommy Lasorda never made it to the major leagues. I just named you two of the greatest managers of all time. Weren't yeah. great players. You know, it's rare a great player. Sometimes you get a Joe Torre who can be an MVP and be a great manager, or a Don Mattingly who can be an MVP and a good manager. 
it it does typically the best players don't aren't the greatest managers unless they're sort of self-made players like Pete Rose was. I mean, if you're born with a certain level of, of God-given ability that makes you elite, you know, it's really hard to, to develop other people's talent when it's not as talented as yours. You're talking about a guy like Larry Bird. Right. Who tried it and is like, I mean, yeah, he's, I, he's I, the guy who walked into the dream team practice yes. for the, the uh, three-point kind and said, oh, which one of you guys is going to get second place? Right. Instead, Larry Bird realized, you know what? I'm much better at spotting talent like mine than coaching it, so I'll become a general manager. And they, right. they did very, had a very good run with the Indiana Pacers. Jerry West. They did that. Yep. Another good example of that. Yes. Um, my son asked me because... I don't. Our kids. Our policy at our home is when they're old enough to ask the right questions, I'll give them the right answers, and and we're not big on holding things back, which probably shocks nobody listening to this. Son asked me once, why are a lot? Why does it seem like a lot of the play the best players in basketball are black? Here was my answer. Most of those kids come from socioeconomic conditions you would not understand. And for many of them, this is one of their only ways out of that condition. Which means, after dark, first thing in the morning, they're out there, working on their game. For a lot of the white kids, this isn't their only option. If anything, they have to make time to play and to be good. Because of the other stuff they have going on, it's all scheduled. They're playing yes. five different sports. Right. Being, right. Yeah, it's not, right. it's not organic. Absolutely. And so th- those black kids from those socioeconomic conditions are forced into a situation. If they want out, they have to accept at a very early age, life is not fair. You will and may fail. They come from neighborhoods where they see failure all the time. Death, depravity, divorce, dysfunction. A lot of the white kids, or not nearly as many of the white kids do. And that's one of the values. That's why, that's why if you're wondering, why are conservatives so worked up about sports leagues that don't keep score and things of that nature? This is why. We have very few places in the culture today where we can contrive adversity to prepare you for adulthood. Very few. And in a way where it's not totally dysfunctional. Because I know we like to look back on, as we get older, Todd, the way things were when we were kids. But I'll bet you if we went back and could see that in real time, we would also recall how, how much it sucked getting bullied. How much it sucked, you know, fighting in school and, you know, the, and, you know puberty and all. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. We remember how it forged, helped forge a certain toughness in us. But, you know, we kind of tend to forget the cost that went along with some of that toughness as well. That there's there's other ways of doing it that doesn't have the, that kind of collateral damage, and that's what a lot of the schools and stuff have tried to get rid of that collateral damage and remove it. And I don't I don't I don't fault them for that, but you can't you cannot sanitize human nature. You can put restraints on it, but you have to allow for failure to occur because there's no other way that we will learn and get better and be better than we are. Then, when faced with our own adversity and failure and having to overcome it. Michael Jordan would tell you today, I know it seemed really petty. Remember about seven or eight years ago when he got inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame? Yeah. 
And he stood up there and gave a speech where he just trashed the freshman basketball coach at his high school or JV, whoever it was, that right. didn't put him on the team. And you're like, dude, that was 40 years ago, brah. How much money have you made? I mean, when Jerry West dies, you're going to be the logo on the NBA uniform. You're the measuring stick of an entire industry worldwide. How many men have ever lived, have ever had that level of significance, mm-hmm. right? And you're carrying this axe and you're grinding it all these years later. And yeah, you can argue that's dysfunctional. And maybe by now he should have come to peace with it. But that gives you a little bit of an idea of what made him so great at the exact same time. Somebody told him, I don't think you're the best. You're probably not as good as you think you are. And it drove him to become what? The best. The best. Where is that adversity? I'm not saying we got to go Junction Boys, Bear Bryant, where we're literally running kids to the point where we're calling EMS units and giving them IVs in the 1950s. I'm not saying we got to do that. But from what I've seen coaching youth sports the last few years, we need to do something more than what we're currently doing because it seems like we've gone from one extreme to the other. It seems like we've gone from one extreme where, you know, Bubba, the, Bubba shot the jukebox, Papa in, in rural Texas drops his kid off at, at Junction at, with uh, Bear Bryant and says, do whatever you want with him. I'm not sure that was maybe the best example of fatherhood, but clearly going the other extreme of here's an antibacterial wipe for everything, that's not the best. There must be some medium in here somewhere. Now, I don't know where it is, and I'm sure there are times I have or am failing with Noah trying to find it. But there's got to be some place to turn these boys into men beyond just treating them like human garbage. You are the lowest form of life on earth. Because I was raised by a dad who thought the great Santini by Robert Duvall was how to raise a guy. It didn't work. I was a terrible kid. Conniving, manipulative, etc. But on the other hand now, we're raising a bunch of wimps because they cannot, they just, it can't, the failure doesn't compute with them. You're making the, the uh, in essence, one of the great theological uh, arguments about uh, justice and mercy. Ne- neither one makes sense without the other. If you, if you have too much mercy, that mercy just it devolves into uh, a license. If you have too much justice, it's just cruel uh, uh, whiplashing all the time. But what you're looking for, you know, you when your coach is hard on you, you've experienced their love before too, and you realize that that comes from a place where you, you, they're they're, give, they're begging you for the choice. Choose choose the right path in all things when i'm hard on you when i'm uh congratulating you it's all uh for your good if you don't have that balance you have nothing you have worse than nothing yeah we're we're headed towards a society we we are already there in many respects but especially with my generation and i hope not the one that comes after me as well but definitely in my generation where it's the next step after men without chests at least you guys got the look down right many in your generation got the look down right and maybe many in the baby boomer generation got the look down right and then when it comes down to it maybe didn't execute my generation it's like we don't this you guys are on a different planet we don't even we don't even care about this concept anymore the vast majority of us and if we do we say we do it's some fake version of it as well and what happens when um the culture loses in mass a a healthy notion of what manhood looks like again 
teach your kids Arabic, as Steve has said. Hmm. Happy Friday. <clears throat> you know, I, I, this is just this is an issue I care deeply about because I've I've been that son who was raised by a dad whose dad raised him that way and passed on that, that, that same abuse and dysfunction to me. I know that doesn't work. I also know, given the passive-aggressive state of manhood in my generation, and it says, Aaron just said, it's even worse than the generation coming up behind us, that offering the proverbial antibacterial wipe to every situation in life doesn't work either. And now I'm struggling as a father with a son trying to find what is, what is this everything in moderation, as Paul would say, we're raising a boy to a man. Where is that ground? And I've been on every side of this argument. You know, so I, I, know, I know what the cost of it is because I know what, what losing it did in my own life. And so that's why I care very deeply about this question. If you want to know the shape of a culture, all you got to do is look at the shape of its men every time. What's the big story we've been talking about for the last week? A fully armed police officer, fully armed and trained, doing nothing while children are being slaughtered. Meanwhile, some of their classmates took it upon themselves to risk their own lives. Those classmates were ROTC students, which means what? They're being instilled some sort of an honor code. How does that happen in a culture? The conversation we just had right here. That's how it happened. That's how it happened. Final thoughts, Aaron. Take some time to get away from the news cycle this weekend, if at all possible. Try to enjoy some basketball, or if it's slightly warm where, at, where you're at. Um, just try to, try to get away from it all, if, if at all possible. Todd? Uh, toxic uh, masculinity is indeed one of the fundamental problems within America. It's uh, just not the brand of it's not the character that you're being preached to uh, by the left. It's you can't uh, come to understand this issue uh, by the way they describe it, but uh, through the fundamentals of uh, uh, the Christian uh, faith and uh, classical classical thinking about duty and honor um that's where we need to go to get this right and it's a lifelong journey you know i talked about those rotc students who are coming from a culture where honor and duty is being instilled in them as you pointed out on our television show today that's scott peterson he came from that culture too yeah somewhere along the line in his life he just decided yeah i did my tour of duty I'm just going to collect a check with this badge, and when I'm needed the most, I'm just going to stand out here, and then I'm going to resign later on, but make sure that I still get uh, you know, my, uh, my paycheck and my pension. One of the things I've, all, I've, I've seen with several pastors I've known and been disappointed by is the ones that were the most ornery, 
standing up to the devil when they were our age and younger are the most likely to completely go soft when they get older and say to guys like us, hey, you're too worked up, you need to calm down. I don't know why that is. And if you look at the scriptures, a lot of men don't finish well. We don't see that too much in the New Testament because most of the New Testament men weren't allowed to live until old ages. (laughs) All right? Many of them were- die the hero? Yeah, they they died the hero before they became the villain. They didn't end well. It was just a different type of well that Yes, in the Old Testament, we see kings go on for decades and, you know, David doesn't get become a better king. The long, David, you know, that's why people are like, why are you for term limits? God let David serve for 40 years. I'm like, yeah. Was he a better king in year one and two than he was in year 39 and 40? What's the record show? Did David get better at being king? Did he get more conviction? Did he get more faithfulness as he got older? No. Just a few commandments broken in there. Yeah, about Solomon. Was he better, younger than he was older? Yeah. You know, and when the previous generation of men don't finish well, the next generation of men aren't going to start well. It's just that simple. What's not simple is the solution to it. Thanks for tuning in here today on Westwood One. Have a great weekend. And remember, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Day Show. Until Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.